Well, good morning. Welcome to the Encounter. I appreciate uh, the service of the worship team. I appreciate Mr. Goldie's uh, introduction. Um, I don't. I don't like everything about my job as the head of school. I like my job. I don't like everything about it, which is probably true of most anything you can do for work or a career. Um, but I will say this, and I mean this in uh, all sincerity. I. I, I love my job primarily because I get to be with you guys. And yes, thank you. No. I'm, I'm not actually looking for your applause because uh, that's true of your teachers and, and everybody who works here. Um, I say that because I want you guys to know that I do consider it a privilege and an honor to once a year speak with you during Encounter. Because I, the reason I care about you and I care about what happens here, partly is just I think you guys are great. I, I have a ton of fun uh, interacting with you. I really like people. I really like young people. I'm, I'm so encouraged by so much what I, of what I see in your lives. And it's so fun to stay in touch with you guys as you go off and you graduate and move on. But more important than that, I, I deeply care about what's happening right now in your hearts. And I want to see all of you, that's my hope, all of you grow closer to Christ. Not something I can control. It's just something that I, I pray towards and I desire. And, and I hope that my time here with you guys today will be helpful in that. I got a lot I want to cover. I'm going I'm to try and move through this and, and, and wrap up before the bell rings. So I'm going to get started. Um, and what I'm going to talk about today really is focused on a passage in John chapter 8. Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people. Pharisees are there. This actually happens right after he has this encounter with a woman who's brought to him who, who's been caught in adultery. And you probably remember the story. He's, he's drawing on the ground and, and he says, okay, you know, if anybody does, hasn't sinned, go ahead, throw the stone. That whole story, okay? Right after that, he comes up and he says to people, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. Let's pray. Father, I, I just ask for you to help me communicate what my heart desires to say to these young people. Lord, I pray that through the power of your spirit, you would make your truth and your glory known to them today. We want to encounter you, Christ. And we pray this in your name. Amen. When I was young, and, and I'd like to say to you today, like young when I was like five years old to maybe third grade, but the truth is this actually was a part of my youth all the way through middle school. I was terrified of the dark. Okay. I remember when I was a kid, I would, as, as things got later in the evening and it was getting close to when I was need to go to bed, I would try fall asleep on the couch in our living room because I, I knew if I fell asleep, my dad would, would either carry me up or help me up to my bed and I'd be tired and, and I would be able to just go to sleep and wake up in the morning. Because I knew if that didn't happen, if I, if I was still awake and my parents said, okay, you know, 
I almost said Mr. Beckery, and they didn't call me Mr. Beckery. Uh, Dan, <laughs> time for bed. I would, um, I'd go up there, and, and most nights I would sit there, and I couldn't sleep because it was dark in my room, and I would start to have all these feelings of anxiety about, about what could be happening around me. I began to imagine that there were, there were people in my room things that wanted to do me harm, and I, I hated that. I had uh, a little brother. This is Braden Beckering's dad. My brother's name was Darren. And, and he could sleep. He would always fall asleep, and I remember being so frustrated that I was scared, and, and my little brother wasn't. Uh, and I remember actually like, like trying to pay him like a quarter to stay up with me till I fell asleep. I'm like, Darren... I'm scared. He's like, oh, just, just go to bed. I'm like, hey, I'll give you money if, <laughs> if you pay. So, okay, so this, you know, I was scared of the dark. How many of you would say at some point in your childhood you remember being terrified of the dark? Okay, pretty common. How many of you, if you're honest, would say, I'm, I'm still afraid of the dark? You know, here's the thing. Listen, shh. If Maybe some of you are like, ah, I've never been scared to go to bed. I'm fine if the lights are, are off in my room. But, but I, I bet you, if I were to, to like take you somewhere in the world that you've never been, let's say it's, I mean, it could be some rural place out in the middle of nowhere, or maybe it's downtown in this big city you've never been, and I put you there in the daytime, you might feel like, boy, I, I don't know where I am. I'm not sure where I'm going. But you would see. You'd have the light of day, probably be okay, but, but if I put you there in the pitch black of night, I bet all of you would feel a huge level of discomfort. In fact, I want to try something right now, and I'm going to appeal to you to, to approach this with your highest degree of maturity. We're going to go ahead, and we're going to bring all the lights down. Let's see if we can get as, as dark in this place as possible. So, shh. one of the things about the dark, and some of you uh, are doing exactly what I thought you would. One of the things about the dark is, even in a familiar space, when, when you can't see, that's the, a powerful insight from chapel today for you, is when it's dark, you can't see. You begin to, we begin to form our own realities. So whether it's in your bedroom and you're wondering what's there, I can't see. You're so familiar with the space, but until the light goes on, you could begin to think a lot of things are going around you. Maybe you've tried to travel in dark where you can't even see the hand in front of your face and you're, you're expecting to run into things. The dark can be scary. Now, it's interesting to me is it only takes a little bit of light. I'll wait for you to stop. It only takes a little bit of light in a dark space to create enough visibility and clarity to begin to see which way you should go or to create a level of, of, of comfort. 
often darkness is, is scary, and, and light can make us feel comfortable. But, but there's often times when we'd actually prefer to be in the dark. Many of you, you, you couldn't help yourself when the lights went out and suddenly you were covered by darkness, you couldn't help yourself but begin to talk. Your behavior immediately shifted. The accountability that the light brings to the space was gone. People couldn't see you, and so you felt comfortable maybe talking to your neighbor, doing things that in the light you wouldn't have done. Because the light exposes us. Right now, many of you in this room, I, I can't really see you, but you can all see me. I can't see, I can hear you whispering, but I can't see who's doing it. But you can see me because when you step into the light, you're exposed. And so sometimes the light can actually be a scary thing, and we prefer to stay in the darkness. Let's take the lights up, please. Thank you. I want to unpack this with you further, but, but before we do that, I'd actually like to spend time together watching an eight-minute clip from the, from the video TV, or the TV series, The Chosen. Many of you have heard of The Chosen. Many of you watched it. Some of you don't. It doesn't matter. I want you to, to focus in on this scene, and we'll talk together. Let's go ahead and play the clip. The first time I saw that scene, I was just, um, I was really moved by it. And, and there's so much we could unpack in that, and, and I know that you guys have probably heard sermons and, and maybe even class lectures here about this amazing encounter. But what I want you to think about is the difference that you saw in that woman when she came to the well and when she left. Something radical happened. She came as a person whose life was literally defined by shame and rejection. She's a Samaritan, so she's rejected by the Jews. Probably more importantly for her, because of her past mistakes, her moral failings, her, her lifestyle, her own people, her community, have rejected her. She's judged, she's condemned, so much so that she's willing to suffer every day going during the hottest part of the day to get water so that she can do that alone and not have to be in the presence of other people who will look at her as something disgusting, someone they don't even want to be with. I would suggest to you she's probably a person who would prefer the darkness. Not darkness necessarily and prefer evil, but to prefer to, to stay away from people knowing about her. And then she has this encounter with Christ, and it becomes very uncomfortable for her because suddenly this stranger starts telling her all these things that she's done. The stranger knows all of her secrets. The very things that she 
has been condemned for, the very things she'd probably want to keep from anybody she'd meet. I'm sure this, this woman, when she met new people, the last thing she ever wanted them to know was, here's all my stuff. Because if they know it, they're going to condemn her. They're going to shun her. She'll be alone. So it's better just to be alone. And yet this stranger knows everything about her. And yet she, she leaves... And did you hear what she said? Come see someone who knows everything I've ever done. What if on Monday, Mr. Wass announces that our chapel speaker for this Wednesday is a gentleman who knows everything about all of you? And he's coming, and at chapel, he's going to talk about that kind of stuff. I think we'd all feel uneasy. Like, many of you probably feel like, I'm not showing up for that chapel because I have stuff in my life I don't want anybody to know about. There's no one here in this space, including me, that wants to say, let me just show you all the stuff in my life, the things I've done, the things I've thought, the things I've said. Because in that would be such shame. And yet this woman leaves this encounter with hope, joy, she actually wants to go into the city, the very people she's avoiding, she wants to go into the city and say, come meet this man. He knows everything about me. What has happened here? One thing I found, find very sad, and it's, not, it's true about me, is so often when we as Christians find out about things, right? You know what it is, right? You find out someone did something. Someone screwed up. Someone did something wrong. We begin to gossip about it. We begin to maybe, maybe in some ways or another condemn them. Maybe we shun them. And what's so sad about that is, is often we've done the same things. We just didn't get caught. We haven't been exposed. The light hasn't shone on our sin. Jesus isn't like that, right? He's the perfect human being. He's the person who was tempted in every way but never sinned. He's the one person who can stand there in true righteousness and say, away from me, you sinner, you're disgusting. You've fallen short. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't condemn her. He exposes, if you want to say it, in the light, all of her, and then he gives her life. In the Bible, light represents more than just being able to see things. It certainly does represent having knowledge, having truth. Verse, the darkness is often thought about as being lost, not being in the truth. Light represents goodness and salvation. It represents life. It represents the kingdom of God. So to walk in the light is to walk in truth is to have true knowledge, is to do good, is to be saved, to have eternal life, is to be a part of the kingdom of God, whereas to walk in darkness is to be lost, to be, to be controlled by evil, to be judged, to die, and to be separated from God. And the scriptures say, Jesus is the light of the world. He's the one that will not only expose everything about you, but he will give you life. He will guide you in truth. He will give you salvation. He will bring you into his kingdom. 
And then, as many of you already know, Jesus does this amazing thing because in the Sermon on the Mount, and I'll wrap up here soon, he actually says, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine. Not, I am the light of the world. He says that in John, but in Matthew, he says, you are the light of the world. Bring truth and goodness and life that I've given you into the world. That's your role as my followers. So, being out of time, I want to just have you guys leave this place pondering these questions. The first question is simple, but so important. Do you feel the weight of your sin? And I don't ask you that to shame you, but the Bible is clear that to walk in darkness is to deny that you have sin. And I don't think many of you are walking around saying, I'm not a sinner. You probably know better than that, right? But if you're living your life in a way where you don't care about the wrongdoings, you don't care how you hurt people, in fact, you are in many ways saying, there is no God or I don't care if there's a God. If you don't feel the weight of your sin, then you're not going to be able to step into the light and receive light. You'll continue to, to be pulled toward the darkness. Second thing to think about. Do you believe that Christ knows everything about you, including the stuff you don't want anyone to know? Just like that woman. Here's the names of these men that she's lived with. He knows it all. Do you believe that about Christ and yourself? And if you say, yes, I do, then, then do you believe that Christ loves you and wants to give you life despite all of that stuff? Do you believe that? Do you have the freedom and joy that we saw that Samaritan woman have as she left that encounter with Christ? Have you had an encounter with Christ that gives you that type of freedom and joy? And then finally, students, are you eager to reflect that life to others, that light to others? If you and I recognize our sin, we know Jesus sees all of our mess. We believe that through his death and resurrection, he's paid the price, forgiven us, and he loves us. He doesn't condemn us. If we believe we have freedom in Christ, then how could we not want to reflect him and his love in our own lives? That's my hope for you guys. That's my desire, is that you would experience the freedom of stepping into the light of Christ, that he would give you life, and then that you would and we would reflect that light to the people in the world around us. Let's pray and I'll dismiss you. Father God, thank you for this time. Jesus, I, my words, my hopes are wholly inadequate 
to convey to these students what you've done, so I trust your spirit to move in their hearts and minds. Thank you, Lord, that you don't condemn us, but you give us life. Thank you for your amazing mercy and grace. Lord God, give us the desire to reflect your light to the world around us. Give us the desire, Lord, not to stay in the darkness, but to come out and represent you well. I pray that if there's any student in this space that has not not had the encounter with you, Lord, that they would experience the freedom of your forgiveness and your salvation, that you would lead them to that freedom today. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day.